I think my dad was more like embarrassed I was talking politics than he was that I that you were said swearing? fuck a few times. Oh my god. <laughs> but that's fine. Can I just say that's like the waspiest thing I've heard all day? My family's pretty waspy. It's fine. <laughs> that is pretty fucking waspy though. Yeah, well, look. I come from the land of the wasps. It's fine. I can't see the glass beneath my feet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Fave is Problematic. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Kristen. And this is a podcast where we ruin your favorite things. Yeah. Yeah, and we're celebrating Black History Month. Yes, we are. The we waited till the very, very end, end of February <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate Black okay. I feel like this is like this is going to be like a, a good part of Black History Month. You know, it's going to be like an uptick because the rest of Black History Month has been not a fucking great. garbage fire so yeah truly yeah. um well it's funny because i feel like every every week you and i are like okay what's our current event for the week <laughs> more often than not now we're like i don't know everything's just terrible it's not problematic fave it's just problematic, yeah, it's just problematic. and that's if it's a, if that's if it's good news it's problematic yeah like know? everything is trash um we're in the worst possible timeline and it's fine <laughs> we are all the dog in the burning house <laughs> oh my god i just i read that thing the other day like i think it was when i was watching this movie and it was like i got like a news alert that was like donald trump signs order to go forward with space force and i was like well fuck everything <laughs> like just and it was like from the washington post and i was like could imagine that you're the editor of the Washington Post, right? And you've like, you know, you went to school for several years. You worked hard. You were like, I, I have to study really intensely <laughs> to be like this hard-hitting journalist, a person of integrity who like makes sure that I am like, you know, chasing the story for the masses. And then you have to authorize a fucking article that says the <laughs> President of the United States of America has signed an order to send a fucking military force into space. <laughs> like, just, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's, yeah, it's all terrible. Well, it's that time again, guys. It's the, I feel like we, it's going to need its own theme song coming up here soon. Uh, it's time to... I don't know if we want to call it drag Bernie Sanders because <laughs> we do love Bernie Sanders. Okay. Um. I, I have made a promise to myself. I've made two promises to myself uh, after having been exhausted by this week already, <laughs> which is that um, I'm going to try very, very hard not to relitigate 2016 primaries. Okay? Yes. Um, if I bring up something from the 2016 primaries, it will be about something that has carried over since then, right? Sure. Or, or that I feel is indicative of something that is currently happening, right? Yes. I'll be like, this is happening like it happened then. Mm -hmm. um, it, but the thing is, it makes it so hard not to litigate the, to relitigate the 2016 primaries just by virtue of the fact that Bernie is in the race again. Like, yeah, I just, guess we should say that. Being there. I guess we should say that Bernie Sanders okay. announced that, officially announced after much speculation that he's running for president again in 2020. I'm going to try very hard to talk to, to 
to really separate my feelings about Bernie the person from my feelings about Bernie's policies, which is not going to be terrible. It's not, I guess it won't be hard per se, but I'm going to have to really be deliberate about it, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Where understand. it's more warranted, because I do think that there are some things about Bernie the person that bleed over into how he campaigns right. that are worth mentioning. Yeah, totally. I'll say this. If you haven't listened to our episode on Bernie Sanders, now is an excellent time to go back and listen to that. It is episode 20. Uh, it it was when we were just wee baby podcasters. But I still think it is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, to be honest. You know honest. what? I, I, think that, I think it's a good idea. I also want to encourage people, like, don't – listen, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, don't be afraid to go listen to that episode, right? Like, we – Well, because we love Bernie Sanders. Well, no, but I mean, I think that, I think that people kind of, like – I think that people kind of maybe – maybe they're, like, they've just, like, projected onto us or they made the assumption that we just don't like him generally or his politics, which is not true at all, at all for either yeah. of us. Um, but I think that, you know, like if you are, have any reticence at all about listening to that episode about him or, or Hillary Clinton, um, go yeah, listen, listen to the Hillary episode we, too. we really do make, um, the effort. And I think we do actually a really good job of, of like bringing up fair points and being, you know, as objective as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, not to toot our own horn, but I'm very proud of that episode. Right. Don't be afraid is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So he's announced that he's running again. I, I was really hoping he wouldn't for a host of reasons. Me too. I think, I mean, some of them are just like practicality reasons. A one is I'm just too exhausted for Bernie bros round two. Boom. That's, um, that's, the top, that's, a, that's like, really, the top yeah. Like real talk guys, the like most of the misogyny I have experienced in the last few years have been from Bernie bros, not from Trump supporters. It has been from cis white guys who love Bernie Sanders. Uh, And that's real talk. And, you know, that's fine. But, you know, a a lot of it's just like practicality. Like, I'd rather have him stay in the Senate where I think he is more valuable. Um, I'd rather have him throwing his endorsement behind a new voice in the race, which is a that's an interesting criticism I've seen of him after he's announced is a lot of people are talking about how they feel like he is like feeling entitled to the presidency, which I think that's part of it. I mean, like, I think that there is a good argument for that. I can't say that. I, I don't know if that's, if that's what it is. Yeah. It feels that way just because like, listen, I can understand how if you're Bernie Sanders, you're like, Hey, I pushed the democratic party left on a number of issues that not only did they adopt into their platform, but like, Essentially, he shifted the Overton window. Do we know what the Overton window is? Yeah. So um, those of you who don't know what the Overton window is, like essentially what you're doing is you're like pushing the conversation either so far left or so far right that now the center has moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can talk about things that would have previously been considered too far left as more moderate positions because you shifted the window so far right, right. or left. So I can understand how he could, how he would feel like, hey, I was the impetus for a lot of this. And so it makes sense for me to run again because now that people are talking about it, now that it's gained more popularity, people are finally ready to like accept my message, right? Mm-hmm. That I understand. My frustrations have already come in elsewhere, I think, but we can get to that in a minute. I didn't mean to like. To, oh, no, to you're totally your fine. There. No, you are not stealing my thunder at all. Um, I think that is a lot of what I. <laughs> 
I feel, to be honest. Like, I, I think I think where I sit is I think I love Bernie for what he did in 2016. I think what he did in 2016 was important. And I also don't think that uh, we can lay the shittiness of Bernie bros at his feet, especially because he very actively a lot of times was like, no, you should all vote for Hillary Clinton. Do you know what I mean? Like, he... He was like, hey, y'all, maybe stop being assholes. I don't know that I agree with that. I actually actually wrote a piece for Elite Daily, like, during the primaries last time, where I kind of, like... But I mean, like, after the primaries. Make a case. Yeah. But I mean, like, after the primaries, he was like, no... Everyone who supported me should vote for Hillary Clinton. Yes, he and did he was say definitely that. trying to like rein in the masses, right? I've heard arguments that he busted his butt, kind of doing that, and I don't know that I fully agree with that. Um, but yes, okay, I hear what you're saying. But I mean, again, go listen to our episode that we did in November 2017. But um, there was an amazing Teen Vogue article that actually came out the day we're recording this on Thursday. Um, I should actually throw it into the Facebook group. Um, so by the time this drops, it'll probably be in the Facebook group. And I think, uh, they much more eloquently say what I have been feeling about him the whole time. Um, there have been things that he has done since 2016 that continue to make me feel like he doesn't understand that, um, economic justice for everyone isn't a one size fits all. Um, he did some things like he voted for um, FOSTA SESTA, which, you know, is the reason why um, we've had things like the um, like Tumblr cracking down on adult mm-hmm. content. And basically it's made it harder for sex workers to find clients and that kind of stuff on the internet. And- I will say just to be just in the, in the interest of, inj- of objectivity, Every other Senate, like sitting senator, also voted for Fosta Sesta. True. But like Bernie's also never been one to shy away from a protest vote. True. Like if anyone's well, going to do a protest. Or not. Yeah, or not. But go <laughs> listen to our episode of Bernie Sanders for that. Or not. <laughs> but for the most he'll part. Make, he'll make you think he did. But you check the record. But for the most part, though, he's not usually yes. afraid of being like, I will be the one person to vote yeah. no on this. I will be the one person to vote no. Give me $27. I don't know. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, I don't know. There's, he's done some other stuff. Um, I actually didn't even know he did this until I was reading this Teen Vogue article. Um, so um, for the State of the Union that happened in January, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party had kind of been like, Stacey Abrams is going to give the rebuttal, basically. Right. She's going to give the response. Rising which is, star. Yeah, absolutely. Black um, woman from yeah. the South. Yeah, like should have won governorship in Georgia absolutely. and then didn't because the system is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they were like, hey, she's going to give the, the response. Bernie Sanders decided to give his own response, which... Look, there's nothing, there's no good optics about an old white guy talking this. over a black woman. That's the thing is, I <laughs> there's heard no he, good optics there. I heard, so here's the thing to be fair, he had given a response to State of the Union every, basically every year since he ran for president, right? But like the thing is, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter what the truth is uh, because the, <laughs> truth, the, truth, does. the truth always matters. But what matters in this situation is how, what it looks like. Right. Right. And if you knew that you were going to run for president again as a Democrat, yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to go, well, the Democrats get to have their response and I get to have my response and my response gets to come immediately after <laughs> talking over a black woman who the Democratic Party, which apparently I'm going to join now because I want to run for president as a Democrat, right. has like said, hey, this is the person that we want to be our standard bearer tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it it's it's so completely oblivious to me to like it just yeah it oh, oh but and to me that kind of goes to the heart of like of my issues with Bernie right like yeah the thing that has pissed me okay I'm not gonna try I'm not gonna go th- too far back into what has happened but the thing that I think has upset me the most since he has announced is like that so he's like being interviewed by by Vermont Public Radio while he's announcing his candidacy right and they're like hey burn <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sandman um Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Sandman oh no so like maybe don't you think um like what what would you have to say to like you know people who like you or who may be critics of you but like people who are like maybe the Democratic Party should you know make room for candidates who are not older straight white men (laughs) (laughs) right like that's no shade to you but like what do you say to that and his response oh boy his response i wish i had it in front of me actually right okay so what he said was we quote we have to look at candidates you know not by the color of their skin not by their sexual orientation or their gender and not by their age that um that was what he said to them which is hilarious because uh previously with stacey abrams when she was running for governor he had said about how he like understood not all white voters would be comfortable, comfortable. Yeah. voting for a person of color. And that that was not racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is like, really? I feel like we need to have a talk with you about what racist yeah. means. Yeah. I mean, in this, in this Vermont public radio interview, he goes on to be like, oh, well, we should um, move towards a society where people are like, where we value them based on their abilities. And it's like, but my guy so like so then like what you're saying is not not enough there hasn't been enough old white guy old straight white guy representation well it's very much and it's because of merit like this is your fucking like moment to be like well meritocracy matters and it doesn't matter about all these other systemic issues that run like and also like visibility doesn't matter well we fucking dragged bernie about this uh even after that episode (laughs) yeah exactly when when he like talked about like how he would rather have like uh he didn't want like to him um it wouldn't be it wouldn't be valuable to have i guess like a, cent- a centrist who was like a woman or a person of color because yeah. they would st- essentially you're still a centrist and i know that some people feel that way but it's like no diversity actually is its own virtue yeah exactly right like, visibility matters and visibility matters and so like if you're fine with a centrist white guy and you're fine with campaigning for that centrist white guy then you should be fine with right. a centrist like black woman and, or and, queer and the person fact, or and whatever. the fact that you still don't understand how like that's meaningful yeah is a fucking problem my guy exactly yeah exactly and and the thing is it's like it feels like him saying this to Vermont Public Radio, it's like, well, like meritocracy is important when it benefits me. Yeah. But like, I don't, I understand why white people don't want to vote for a black lady. Uh, and I know why that's uncomfortable for them and they're not racist. And it's just like, come on, guy. Me, uh, just... Here's the thing. The, what's so frustrating about this is that like, you know, I've said before, like, I feel like policy wise, I'm so I have always solidly really been with Bernie yeah, Sanders. Oh, totally. There are very few things. I mean, outside of like maybe gun control and and, you know, his certain stances on like um, foreign policy in, in regards to Israel, like for the most part, I'm I'm like lockstep in with Bernie policy. Yeah, right? policy. He's pretty much my dream candidate. 
Um, but my issue is that like you've already run for president once. You've had black people on your staff who've explained this to you. You've you've been yeah. dragged just to and fro, my dude, like through the wilds mm-hmm. of the internet about the problematic shit that you say, and you don't really seem to be listening, and you don't seem to care to yeah. listen. And like this would be different if you were like, hey. I am new and improved Bernie and I've learned my lesson and these are the things that I'm changing and these are the things that I'm going to, you know, that like that my campaign is about now, but it, it just feels the same. It doesn't and, feel and like that's anything why, has changed. Yeah. And that's why I don't think I'm, that, that's why I don't think I'm excited about him running in 2020 is just because it doesn't feel like he's learned anything. Also, and this is a point that like Kyle might get mad at me for like for attributing to the, this to him, but it's true. And I thought he made a great point, which is why the fuck would I vote for Bernie Sanders when I have Elizabeth Warren? Also that like you essentially have the same policy positions. You she comes with a lot less baggage. Yeah. Um, she's a lot better on some issues that, you know, like with the bones that I have to pick with Bernie. Like, why would I vote for him when I could vote for her? Yeah. And I mean, I think I think ultimately, like, again, this Teen Vogue article summed it up so perfectly for me at the very end of it um like it feels like now bernie sanders platform never it never involves stepping aside and actually like letting the people who he claimed to be elevating actually run things and make decisions he wants to just keep talking for everyone it's like well no like these these marginalized communities you're supposed to be supporting they're fully capable of speaking for themselves maybe let them do things and you're doing a bad job of attempting to speak for them yeah exactly it's like no like i think i again i think he's done a great job pushing the party left i think he's done a great job bringing like democratic socialism to like a national talking point i think that's all really important i'm ready for him to step aside and start endorsing candidates that are people of color that are women that are queer and like throw his weight behind them in that way and then let them do their fucking job. That's what I want from him right now. I don't want him to be president. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's my hot take. <laughs> obviously, if he gets the nomination, I and listen, I, I don't want to like make it seem like I would begrudgingly vote for him because I wouldn't. I yeah, think he's totally. a good man and I think that he um, would make a fine president. However, he's like my, I don't know, hundredth choice yeah, <laughs> amongst yeah. Democrats. And also the Democrats, the, the DNC changed the rules this past summer where like you actually can't run it as a Democrat unless you are already a Democrat. Oh, interesting. Because he's still an independent in the um, Senate. I know that like shortly after the 2016 election, people asked him if he was a Democrat and he said, no, he was an independent. Um, he's, I believe, stated that he intends to run as a Democrat. So I want to know what it is he's joining the party. That's, I mean, to, that's, that to me is a legitimate issue. Yeah. And that was kind of like my, you know, was what partially what got under my skin with, the, um, you know, during the primaries with his supporters was kind of like, well, the DNC, you know, the, his treatment from the DNC and partially I was like, well, you know, like Democrats get to want Democrats to run as Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, if they don't think he's a Democrat, that's, then you can see why they might be a little hostile towards him. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and that's why they put it in the rules. Mm-hmm. You gotta be a Democrat to run as a Democrat, for president as which a Democrat. Makes sense. Anyways, uh, this is all to say Bernie's running again. We're not stoked. <laughs> I'm sure y'all have your feelings, and I am. I, am, I can't wait to hear him. 
I'm sure we'll we'll hear about it. I can be it. convinced. Look, it's fine. I will also say this. I think probably in the fall we're going to bring back Democratic Darling. Yeah. We're going to probably. Once the field has been weeded out a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Y'all, we ain't doing 20 episodes. <laughs> That's we, about what it's looking yeah. like right now. Once we see who our, our front runners are. Yeah. But we're going to bring them back. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really stoked about it, actually. I am too. If Bernie's still in the race, I do want to circle back to him. Um, I feel like Bernie's not going to leave the race until <laughs> I think you're someone right. fucking like. So I think Sparta kicks him into. <laughs> I think you're right. So I think there will probably be a second episode on Birdie, and that's fine. I'm willing to do it. Um, but I'm really excited about bringing back Democratic Darling. Yeah, yeah. So everyone, get ready for that. Probably, probably coming to you this fall. Okay. Well, those are. I feel like that was like seven hot takes in one. And that's it was. There were so many. There were so many hot takes. It's fine. That's what you. That's the content you guys crave. That's what you come to us for. Is the hottest of takes. Um, and we served you up some steamy ones this time. Sure, we did. Let's get away from Lily White, Bernie Sanders, and get into our Black the, History Month. Our black, yeah. <laughs> um, which I will say, I gotta say, you were like, "Let's do Coming to America." I was like. I'm not sure I've ever seen that movie, but that's fine. And as I was watching it, I was like, I am, as a white person, not qualified <laughs> to talk about this film. <laughs> that's okay. Listen, um, I think this is this is a, an opportunity uh, <laughs> for you to like, you know, to maybe perhaps sit in some of that discomfort. I think it's good for white no, people. totally. I agree. Know? Um, and like, you know, white, black people are thoroughly, thoroughly schooled in white culture. So I think that it's it's time for, you know, for totally. a bit of a more of a cultural exchange. And I feel I feel like I had a We've few... We've been here since the beginning. It's, start, it's time y'all started to learn about black culture. No, you're absolutely right. And I feel like I had a few touchstones because I did, I did um, spend a few summers where I worked with a program where I lived with a bunch of other people and uh it was there was a large like population of black people who were very into like being like let let us bring you white people into our culture yeah they were super into Listen, it actually we're friendly we always no, have been. it was great um we had a dance party and they were like okay literally they were all like okay white people i need you all to get up here and we're going to teach you how to do the stanky leg that <laughs> oh was God. like i'm not even exaggerating that's the thing that happened um, so I feel like I had some touchstones for it, but I was also like, oh man, like there's a lot <laughs> happening here that is not my culture. And I, as a white person, am going to be uncomfortable critiquing <laughs> it. And that's okay. That's okay. I can sit in my discomfort because uh, I think this is <laughs> a valuable thing for white people to do. <laughs> so, And this is also a pretty like easy in. Like, it you know, is. It's, it, a, it's uh, a fun romantic comedy. It absolutely is. <laughs> and it's a great movie. Everyone should see it if you haven't already. <laughs> So, yeah, um, Coming to America, Eddie Murphy film, 1988. The general gist is it's about a um, prince of an African nation, played by Eddie Murphy, um, Prince Akeem. Yes. Uh, of the um, nation. Of Zamunda. Zamunda. Okay. I had a lot of problems with names in this movie. I thought Daryl's name was Theo for half <laughs> oh of the film <laughs> because I heard it wrong the first time. Yeah. Um, I need to start watching these movies with subtitles is Probably, really yeah. what I need to start doing. <laughs> so everyone's going to have to bear with me as I go through my That's fine. I'll, that. I'll help you look. Um, but so basically, um, uh, Prince Akeem is, is um, turning 21. He finds out uh, 21 is traditionally when like he will meet his betrothed, mm -hmm. like the woman who has been selected from a young age for him to marry. Um, and he is feeling really like disillusioned with being the prince and like having an arranged marriage. And so he kind of strikes a deal with his father who's played by james earl jones <laughs> where he wants to just go out and see the world for 40 days and his like basically secret plan is 
I'm going to actually find my bride. Right. So I find a woman who, as he says, um, arouses his intellect and his loins. Yes. Not just his loins. Which is really the, the, the I, I feel like that's a good goal when of you're looking course, for a yeah. partner. Absolutely. Like, arouses your intellect and your loins. Yeah. That's a, that's a good goal. He's really a, he's a sapiosexual. Yeah. For, for 21 year old, like he, like he's actually pretty on the level in terms of what he's looking for. <laughs> I will say like, not to get like too ahead of things, but I was actually, I was kind of um, pleasantly surprised at how um, non-chauvinistic he was for having been, like, yeah. the only child, like, male heir to a kingdom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, we could talk about, like, the way that he is treated and, like, the way that he is pampered and he literally never has to, like, lift a finger to do anything. To and, do like, anything. And so, like, to have this person who was, like, so, like, worldly and, like, so... um well, frankly, kind of like woke. <laughs> yeah. And to like to have come out of that, like that upbringing, you're kind of like, wow, you're that's astonishing. Like, how did it really get is. It really is. Um, but yeah, so he decides to go to New York City to find his queen and, you know, hijinks ensue, basically. He brings his loyal his loyal uh, servant. Uh, Simi. Yeah. Simi along with him. Uh, yeah. Played by Arsenio Hall. So it's really a, a who's who of it, like late 80s <laughs> it truly comedians. Is. It truly is. <laughs> and um, the only person missing from this movie is Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, but he's too white for this one. I don't know. Louis Anderson is in this movie. He's that's pretty true. white. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So I'll say this. The movie starts with some music that sounds vaguely African. It's Ladysmith Black Mombazo. Oh, okay. Is it? Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, this is my question that I meant to do reading on before we recorded this, and I didn't. I wanted to know how much of, like, uh, the country and, like, all of the stuff in it, like, what kind of research went into that? Because I was like, this actually feels, like, legit and authentic and not like someone was just like, yeah, this is vaguely African. I don't know. That's a good question. I wonder, like, I wonder if there's any kind of, like, documentation that you know surrounding that you know i kind of got very much like a, a wakanda feel yeah totally no it definitely feels like 1988 wakanda right yeah. but and i wonder if that was like intentional on ryan coogler's part when he was doing black panther is to be like we're gonna make zamunda um, yeah. basically <laughs> <laughs> which is not here for i am here for that like a, an african country i wish it didn't have to be fictional that had literally never had its resources stolen by white people <laughs> It would be great, yes. to be honest. I wish that is a thing that existed. Um, but, no, it does feel that way. But, um, yeah, I, that was just the thing I, like, as I was watching all the Zamunda scenes, I was like, I wonder, like, what kind of research went into this? Because it definitely felt authentic, but I am also not an expert on African culture, so I could be wrong. I definitely am not. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. But, you know, like, it's – I don't know. Like, I – we were like watching this and I was like watching like the king and I was like, he's definitely like he's definitely a military dictator, right? Like you get that. Yeah, yeah, him, but, he like, definitely is. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he wears a little like hat yeah. that like all the African military dictators wear. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, like he totally is. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh man, like I, I, the thing with Wakanda is that like, obviously like they, like they're hidden. So like colonialism never found them. Mm -hmm. uh, you would definitely get the sense that in Zabunda, like colonialism the, was a thing. The Dutch showed up. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they, they wreaked havoc for a while. And yeah. then, 
you know, and then they paid King Jaffe Jaffer to like be in charge of shit. Yeah. Um, for a and second. he, and... he probably rules with an iron fist. I mean, I, I don't know how, what life is like for your typicals in London. I don't think it's great. Just given what we see of, uh, the King throughout the film. But... Yeah. He kind of throws his weight around and, uh, he really does. not so fun ways. Yeah. But, um, so the movie opens with, uh, Akeem again, played by Eddie Murphy getting woken up by like an eight piece ensemble <laughs> yes. and uh like his little like manservant comes in and like plays a bunch of music for him and stuff and then um there are women throwing like rose petals at his feet and basically we have like we have several scenes that are just basically like telegraphing to us that prince akeem doesn't have to do anything for himself he literally doesn't wipe his own ass he doesn't bathe himself the fucking line about <laughs> your he has like beautiful women who bathe him naked and at one point one of them like comes up in the bath and is like your royal penis is clean your highness and i don't just something about referring to a guy's penis as your royal penis <laughs> is so fucking funny to me uh, <laughs> oh my god um well, the funniest thing about that is like it's his 21st birthday and just like the look of like he looks like so enthusiastic on his face is like oh yeah. well i guess it is like you know it, there's not a 21 year old on earth who wouldn't be like just well I, oh well there's not 21 in the u.s i feel like yeah. 21 in the u.s is a different meaning from the rest of the world where You're people can drink when they're much younger um the u.s hates alcohol along with other fun things like sex so um you know that's cool but yeah he seems totally unenthused about his his birthday um but we do find out that he is supposed to meet his uh wife to be basically like there's a woman who was picked at a young age and was basically uh raised and educated and trained to be like the ideal submissive wife who just wants to like please him and be his queen and he has never seen or met her before. And today is the day he is going to like meet her and begin their courtship, basically. Can we talk about arranged marriages here? Yeah, we can talk about arranged marriages. I feel like, okay, well, first of all, I'll say this is, I'm squarely not in my lane, right? Like, sure. um, I don't, I don't know much about uh, modern day arranged marriages mm-hmm. uh, and countries that still do that. Um, you know, I think that just from my own kind of like Western world viewpoint um they there is something that is inherently problematic about not giving people a choice in who Mm -hmm. they will spend the rest of their life lives with although i i feel like i've heard like many really good arguments for arranged marriage yeah um from folks who come from cultures where that's still a thing that's practiced Mm -hmm. uh but it's very clear that akeem is a is against the concept. It feels like he's kind of like swallowed this fairy tale idea of love, right? Yeah. Like I want to be in love with someone that mm. I marry. And I don't want it just to be kind of like both like political and socioeconomically um, advantageous for both of our kingdoms or whatever. Yeah. I'm also not in my lane when I talk about arranged marriages. I, I will say that I have spent a lot of time in like South Asian communities uh, where I think that is still a little bit more of um, not the I don't want to say the norm, but I do know like uh, like growing up there was a large South Asian population in my school, so I had a lot of friends who were like first generation immigrants for you know first generation Americans, but then their parents were from India or like maybe they were born in India and immigrated very young, and it definitely like my experience talking to them was very much that arranged marriages were maybe still a thing back in. 
India. That was less a thing that happened here in the U.S., but there still was kind of a culture of we're going to set you up. Right. And it is not necessarily an arranged marriage, but you should know that we've like gone through great lengths to determine like that this person is a potential good match for you and you should seriously consider that. Kind of like the big sick. I haven't seen The Big Sick. Oh, The Big Sick is great. You should watch it. But yes, uh, the main character in The Big Sick, uh, essentially, he's from an Indian family. Yeah. Indian? Pakistani? I don't remember which, actually. I think it's Indian. There's a lot of overlap between the two, in my experience, because a lot of my friends growing up were also from Pakistan. So. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and yeah, his parents are essentially doing the same thing. We're like, it's not that he has an arranged marriage, but they are like, you know, like, basically like... Um, you know, like being like, hey, come over for dinner. Surprise. Here's a nice Indian girl that yeah. we like met, you know, which I don't think is exclusive to like South Asian culture either. Like, I no. definitely think like, I mean, like, that's also kind of a stereotype of like Jewish culture yeah. or like even certain like European cultures as well. Right. Like think about like my big fat Greek wedding right. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Again, uh, not necessarily a thing I have a ton of lived experience with. But I don't, is it a problematic trope? I guess here's my question in terms of like the context of the movie being problematic. Is it problematic just to assume that just because they're in Africa that they must have arranged marriages? Or do we think that's more of a like, well, be, it's because they're royalty situation? I think that that is some, an assumption that we make about certain ethnic minority groups, right? Right. And so, you know, like obviously it's like the premise for the movie sure (laughs) i i mean so like it's kind of it kind of has to like be there right like Mm -hmm. i don't know that it it feels problematic in the movie but i I think it's because the reason maybe it doesn't feel problematic is because it's not a thing that we necessarily associate with like black or african culture right right certainly not black culture and that's the other thing about this too is that like we're we're talking about a fictional african country but like all of the people in the room are black people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are African Americans. And so like maybe that might be the problematic aspect. Okay. I don't know. I think the more problematic aspect is the idea that she has been literally training from the day she was born to like to have Serve studied him, him and, and like, like yes. not even like a your traditional like subservient subservient wife role. It is like my favorite food is Akeem's favorite food. Yeah, which we'll get to when we finally meet her. And yeah. that is, I think, I think you're right. I think that is more troubling than just a, the concept of the arranged marriage. marriage. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So he's supposed to meet her, which he will hear in a hot second. He has breakfast with mom and dad, who are, you know, king and queen of Zamunda. Uh, James Earl Jones, <laughs> who is yes. wonderful as always. Um, Madge Sinclair plays his mother. Fun fact. James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair are also the voices of uh, Mufasa and uh, what's her name? Sarabi? Sarabi, yeah. Sarabi in The Lion King. Yeah. Five yeah, years they later. Are. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of things that James Earl Jones said in this movie. I was like, ah, oh, that's Mufasa. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I really appreciate it. Simba, you are my son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Akeem is clearly getting disillusioned with being royalty and the arranged marriage. And he basically tells his parents as much they're like don't worry about it you'll meet her you'll fall in love and like his mom has like this really actually kind of very sweet speech where she was like i met your dad an hour before we were supposed to get married and i was terrified but you know like you know if you're a good man and she's a good woman we've made a good like trust we've made a good match for you and like and the love will come this is our tradition she's like i've come to really love your father and like you know like kind of tries to reassure him then uh simi shows up and he's like i'm gonna take akeem for his training and he's kind of a dick and is just like, yo, you just need a hot wife. 
Yeah. Um, and he's like, but I, and Akeem's like, but I want to like, uh, like, like love her and like, you know, have like enjoy her as a person. He's like, oh, you just, Simi's like, you just need a hot piece of ass for a queen. <laughs> and listen, like, that's the, th- I mean, like, you, you start to kind of like see Akeem's character here, right? Like, Semi is like, I guess what you would kind of like, he's, well, he's toxic masculinity, like personified, personified yeah, totally. right? He's like, you're the fucking like prince of Zamunda. You have no other heirs. You're going to be king one day. You don't need to give a shit about your wife. You just need her to be hot enough to fuck so you can make more heirs. Yeah. You know, which like, I guess practically sure. And like the life could go on that way. But like Akeem wants more. He does. He's so noble. Um. So, okay. Fast forward to the evening. They're throwing a big ass party for Akeem because it's his birthday. There's someone selling like shirts with his face on it. It's outside. an engagement party. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, essentially an engagement party. Oh, yeah um like birthday engagement party um he's gonna meet meet her here basically imani i think is her name yeah something again i really gotta start watching these movies with subtitles because it's fine i see this movie i don't know several hundred times so uh i knew her name it's cool that you didn't pick up on it i can understand i mean they say it like once yeah to be fair so they they have this big party and they're like okay and the the um her father kind of comes in. They're going to do like the whole rigmarole of like presenting the like betrothed to Akeem and his parents. And it's a whole deal. And there's this bit where they're like, okay, now we will present her to you. And this uh, woman comes in and she is very loud. She is a larger woman. And it bothered me because it was such a cheap joke. I was like, haha, of course. Like, because yeah. Akeem has this moment where he's deeper. like, oh no, like this is her. Yeah. Like, this is the woman I'm supposed to marry. Um, and it's just like this joke. It's just this like really fat phobic joke about how, like, oh, like, look at this like big, fat, loud woman and how unbecoming. And I think it also bothered me because she plays a little bit into like the stereotype about the loud black woman. Yeah. So Do you know actually, what I mean? this, this, this is a good point. I think that you're bringing up. So like there, a big part of like my issue with, a, of, of this movie comes with like the kind of stock stereotypical, like caricatures of black people. Right? Yeah. Uh, and this is one of them. So like, they're kind of like traditional stereotypes of black people. She falls into what's called the Sapphire um, stereotype. I think it is like based on like old minstrel shows or um, in particular, maybe even Amos and Andy. So the Sapphire stereotype of a black woman is like the kind of um, the kind of emasculating uh, sassy black woman who comes through and like takes charge and, you know, emasculates men and Mm -hmm. like, and um, you know, we see a lot of that in there. Like she's like pushing people out of the way and her, her voice is pitched deeper, you know? And so like, there are a lot of kind of like nods to her, like being the, the person in the, who's going to wear the pants in the situation. Right. right? Um, And so that's, that's one of the first of the problematic tropes. (laughs) That shows up in this movie. Okay, I'm glad you have a hand on this because this this there were, I definitely saw like these stock characters and I was like I don't know if this is problematic or not because this is like a movie mostly made by black people that definitely feels like it's targeted at black people and I don't I don't know how I as a white person am supposed to feel about some of these stock characters. No, you know I get I mean? it. Like but I totally because if that understand. was just like in a regular film, I'd be like, "Yo, that's a problem." But like, I, I think I that, wasn't like, sure how to parse it. No, I think that like I think that on one level, so like I appreciate the fact that you're like stepping back and being like, "This is not necessarily my lane," and like I don't know like culturally what this means. But I also think that like there are things that we can see that we can automatically be like, "That's not about." 
culture that's just about a fucking problem okay cool right but like i mean i I, listen i completely understand i watched roma earlier this week and i came away from roma being like that was a beautiful film and i have some really unsettling feelings about it but i also felt completely unqualified to unpack them because i was like this is solidly not my culture and i don't know what i'm missing here so i think that like i think that trying to have that conversation responsibly particularly with people who come from that culture is a good thing to be conscious of but also to do i I feel like this whole episode is just going to be elizabeth is uncomfortable with her whiteness and that's (laughs) fine um anyway so this woman comes in and introduces uh everyone basically and then there's this really dope dance sequence yeah which you pointed out to me earlier <laughs> is just thriller dance but sped up yes apparently it is well john landis who is the director of this film also directed the thriller video okay um, oh okay <laughs> uh which i th- i guess at this point was like maybe i don't know four or five years old yeah uh, and so like there's this really amazing like african dance that happens and like it's drums really are going good. and like yeah. it just it looks incredible um <laughs> and then you read the trivia and you're like oh no this is literally just the thriller dance yeah but sped up and also not to thriller <laughs> <laughs> So if you've ever seen this, I just love how he was like, "Oh, we'll just recycle this choreography. It's fine. It works though. It totally works. It works really well. It's so good. No, it's perfect. Um, okay, so they do a really dope ass dance that's actually just thriller set to some like djembe's basically. Um, and then uh, they're going to bring in uh the the bride to be uh the, the this manservant that he has who falls around a bunch sings a song i was just like this song sure something there's some problematic lyrics in this song i would like to point yes, out though definitely he, he like he's basically singing about like here comes like this your, is your future queen bride. to be yeah your queen to be and he's like kind of trying to like exalt her but like some <laughs> of the lyrics are things about like she'll be used at your discretion yeah. i'm just like oh no yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's not so much like here is like a woman for you to love and cherish yeah, it's more she's like wonderful here's a and beautiful thing and smart. for you to like yeah. have fun with an like, object of effect of affection to quench your royal fire yeah like it the lyrics are real cringy and although there this is a problematic line it fucking cracks me up every time when he says completely free from infection <laughs> which is fucked up but i'm just like oh my god because it's like the setting and like the idea that like the servant is singing the song is so absurd well and i mean i i think we're supposed to understand that a lot of those lyrics are problematic because we're supposed to be on a key side that like this arranged marriage is not what he wants right it's wrong and it is deeply problematic yeah exactly so like i think i i don't find like that song super problematic because i think we're supposed to understand that it's fucked up but like yeah, it's it's fucking funny, but you're also just like, oh, the cringe factor is so high. Indeed. Um, so she is introduced. <coughs> Excuse me. She is introduced. Um, and Akeem basically breaks the tradition and is like, hey, you come with me into the back room and like starts talking to her. And this is where he's like, Well, tell me about yourself. And she's like, Well, what do you want to hear? And just hundred percent trying to please him. He's like, What is your favorite music? And she's like, Whatever your favorite music is okay well what is your favorite food whatever your favorite food is and she's like i have studied you since i was a little girl like i i have i have worked really hard to be the perfect wife to be perfect for you and he's like girl but like what do you like (laughs) she's like well what do you like and he's like no (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, she's like, basically, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And so he like pick, takes her through kind of like a Simon Says type exercise. Yeah, he's like, bark like a dog. So she does. He's like, bark like a bigger dog. <laughs> and so she's like, woof, woof, woof. And like, it like makes her do all these kind of ridiculous things. I will say when I was a little girl, this scene, like, I always came away feeling so bad for her. And yeah. not be- necessarily because like... I think I felt bad for her because, like, if that's a life that you've been trained for, right, and that's all that you know, like, she, like, the thing is, like, he starts to get frustrated with her that, like, she won't just tell him what her favorite food is or, like, what she likes. Yeah. But, like, if that's all she's ever been allowed, like, I started to be like, God, what an awful existence. Like, she doesn't have a favorite food. She's never been given the space to consider what that might be. Well, and even, like, as an extension of that, like, you know women especially in societies that are super patriarchal you kind of do what you have to to survive and get by a lot of times that is playing to male egos yeah and so you're like yeah i'll defer to you and like be nice and polite and smile and this is what i want to do but this is my survival method and how i get ahead right i think she doesn't she doesn't know to know I, i i think you're also right about that like i think it's like that extreme for her which is sad which yeah yeah, that to me like it makes it doubly sad because like you're you understand why Akeem is like frustrated because he wants to like to like get to know her and engage with her, but you're mm-hmm. also like poor thing like she doesn't she, she doesn't, doesn't have anything else to offer. Yeah, she's and not also equipped. like you know that eventually he's gonna try and like you know dump her and. And so it's like, well, what does she have if her, if her entire life up to this point has been like, yeah, what does she do about next? Him, like, what, right. Like, what the fuck does the rest of her life look like? I yeah. mean, I guess on some level it's a good thing, but like, boy, talk about devastating. Yeah, no, totally. And yeah, it's like, where, where does she go next? Like, It's a funny get... scene, but it always made me sad. So uh, finally, James Earl Jones comes in and is like, uh, what the fuck you doing back here? <laughs> um, and him and Akeem kind of take a walk and they talk and. Akeem basically confides in his dad that he's like, hey, like, I'm uncomfortable with this. I, I feel like I don't I've never I've never left Zamunda. I don't know anything of the outside world. I don't I don't know anything about love. I want to experience that. And so his the king's like, OK, I'm going to give you 40 days and you can go like live your best life. sow your royal oats is I think a exact phrase that is used. Yeah. He, like James Earl Jones is clearly like, go fuck a lot. Right. Which is not what Akeem is. Exactly. He, is fundam- after. <laughs> he fundamentally misunderstands yeah. what Akeem is saying. Like, yeah. You want to just go fuck a bunch of people in a bunch of different places. Yeah. Go do that. Go live your best life. Come back and then marry her. And like we're it, like we're all good. Also, what a raw deal if your dad's gonna be like, go out there and sell your oats. You have forty days. Just yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that is a bad deal. You're right. Um, <laughs> so Akeem kind of agrees to this. Just he's like, well, this is my chance out. But his his secret plan is that he's actually going to try to find his bride. That's what he wants to do. He's like, no, I'm gonna actually find the woman I want to marry. because uh, it's not this woman who I just made bark and jump up and down on one foot so that's his goal um him and simmy are kind of like discussing where to go and i love their decision making he's like we have to go to america uh because that's i guess where you go and they're like we either have to go to new york or LA. la and they just like throw a dart and they're like new york it is and like where do we go and they're like we're looking for a queen let's go, go to, to queens, queens. <laughs> It's pretty fucking funny. I've never been to Queens. Have you been to Queens? I have been, yeah. 
I've only ever been to Manhattan and to Brooklyn, um, borough wise. Uh, my family's from New York City, so yeah. I've been all over. <laughs> I I mean, like, I'm sure like Queens is like different today, but I I'm wondering what like que- like what kind of like what were like the what was the joke about going to Queens in 1988? Like it's that it's clearly supposed to be a laugh line that they would pick Queens of all places because even when they get to New York, like their cab drivers, like what the fuck are you guys doing going yeah, to Queens? Yeah, I mean Queens was not so Queens is a little like Queens is not super close to Manhattan or um, Brooklyn. Um, it's a little further out. It's not as like posh and nice. Like even when, at least even like I was in New York city this summer and I was in Queens for a little bit. And even like the parts of Queens I was in were not like, they were like the slums or whatever. Like they were fine, but like, it was definitely a different feeling from being in like Manhattan. Right. Um, it's a lot more working class, a lot more like, um, minority communities, um, I think it's gentrified a lot, probably oh, I'm sure. in the last 30 years. <laughs> um, but like it definitely is a little bit more like middle class, working class, that kind of stuff. And I think in 1988, it was definitely probably an area that was much poorer. Yeah. Is my understanding. So I think that was kind of the joke. Like, oh, like that's like the poor ghetto area. Right. Like that's the last place you would go to find a regal woman or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, you know, problematic in and of itself. But I mean, like, I just wanted to make sure that like the joke is clear. Um. Okay. So they show up in Queens and yeah, like they get in a cab and the driver, cab driver's like, what the fuck you guys want to go to Queens for? But whatever. It's fine. Um. They go there. Uh, okay. So the first place they roll into basically as soon as they get to Queens is this barber shop. Which is where I feel like we find another few more like black stock characters. Yeah. I will say I did appreciate that you roll in this barbershop as like four black guys and an old Jewish man. <laughs> I was like, that is the realest thing in New York City, though. <laughs> like, that's so real, especially for Queens. Yeah. Like, I was like, that is actually see this is an aspect that you understand that i don't (laughs) like i get the concept of a black barbershop but i don't like like to me like i don't i don't know that there's like typically like you know like a diversity i mean like i would assume that like if i went to a barbershop a black barbershop in queens it would just be black people my understanding is that queens also has a large jewish or at least at the time also had a large jewish population okay but also just like i think like Jewish communities in New York City is so ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I, I, so I stayed in Queens one night when I was in New York City and I told my friend I stayed with, I was like, all I fucking want in life in the morning is like a bagel with locks. And she was like, I got you. <laughs> and like her husband went and got me this amazing bagel with locks in the morning and it was beautiful. <laughs> like tea. I was like, oh, bless you. So, but like my understanding is that Queens also has like um, a, large a, a, a large Jewish community in it as well. Um, so I was just like, yeah, like a barber, like a black barbershop, but like with the one Jewish guy <laughs> kind of tracks yeah. from my understanding. Maybe there are people in New York who are listening to this who are cringing, but like from my, <laughs> from my experience, that's pretty real. So this is my next question, right? So we have like, so um, in this barbershop there, yeah, there are three black guys and a Jewish guy, except for the fact that really there are um, three black guys. Uh, and the three black guys there are Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Clint Smith. Okay, so that was Eddie it. Murphy. Eddie Mur- so what we I have was like, is-, is Eddie Murphy playing two people in this movie? <laughs> he, is, he plays several people in this okay. movie. Because like... Uh, so I the beginning like- of Eddie Murphy like dressing up and playing multiple characters This was like movies. pre... Um, oh God, what was that horrible movie the he did? Professor and Norbit? Yeah, Norbit. I was like, this is like pre-Norbit? So yes. What we have is Eddie Murphy playing uh, 
two of the people, two of the four people in the shop, and Arsenio Hall is one of them, and then there's a guy, uh, just a, a, another <laughs> just a random guy. actor. But Eddie Murphy is, like, what do we, do we call that? Do we call, we call it, like, I don't know, Hebrew face, Jewish face? What, what is, is that? I didn't even realize that was him. That's absolutely Eddie Murphy. What? Yes. Okay. Huh. Huh. Yeah. I'm not Jewish, so I don't know how to parse this. I mean, like... This is a weird intersection of things. Here's the thing. So, like, I think we can pretty safely say that it is not equivalent to blackface because blackface has a very right. specific, like, had a very specific origin for very specific reasons, right? Like, and it's history of this country and its prevalence for so long was directly like as a form of violence against black people. Right. However, I think that we can still like, you know, like retroactively be like, maybe it wasn't a great idea for Eddie Murphy to like to play the Jewish character. I think there's a difference between like the movie white chicks where you have black guys (laughs) playing white women, which is like, look, White people did this for long enough. We had this coming. Like, live your best life. And then Eddie Murphy playing a Jewish person, which is a group of people who have also experienced a lot of discrimination and harmful stereotyping, right? Also, I think that it's like... Okay, so it's clear that he's, like, not playing a black Jewish person. I think that's a point that needs to be made. Because, like, we can talk about Judaism as an ethnicity and, like but also as a religion and like definitely there are black Jews. Right. Right. Um, but that's not what's happening here. No, he's playing a white passing. Jewish he's person. playing. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing. He's supposed to be a white guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember being so like finding this so funny and like being so like, like enamored of the idea of him doing this when I was a kid. Now, I was watching this and I was just like, man, I don't even really know what to make of this. I don't this. either. Is, like, would this, have, would this pass today? I don't even know if white chicks would get, like, would pass today. You know what I mean? Uh, white chicks, I'm going to say this as a, you know, as a basic white girl, white chicks still, like, I don't know that I'm going to say it's a good movie, but, like, I don't have a problem with it. I don't know if I feel the same about it if they're portraying a Jewish person, though, just because there's... And it's like baggage there. It's like right? stereotypically Jewish. Yeah. And that's the thing is like they're really playing into the Jewish stereotype, which is I think why it makes me uncomfortable. They're not. Well, to be fair, I think that. So like when I say stereotypically Jewish, I mean like as far as like the kind of like like New York, Brooklyn. Yeah. Or I guess Queens accent. Like they don't like play into like bad tropes about Jewish people. Right, but like they're very clearly telegraphic. This is a Jewish person. Like they never say that he's Jewish, but like the minute he comes on screen, you're like. Oh, that's a New York City Jewish man, right? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that we probably shouldn't do this again. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> I know that I'm uncomfortable with it, so I'm going to say no. Right. Like, I don't know that it was... <sighs> I don't want to say it wasn't a problem then because I'm sure a lot of people had issue with it and, and, and rightly so. Um, I don't know that it was like widely seen as a problem, but they're also making a remake to coming to America. That's supposed to come out sometime either later this year or early next year. And I'm just going to go ahead and just unequivocally say that Eddie Murphy Murphy should should not do this. Should not reprise that role. Nope. Don't do it. Nope. Just don't do it. Just hire an actual Jewish actor. Uh, The other characters are fucking hilarious. Yeah. He can do those forever. They were great. And I loved them. But yeah, don't don't be. A, Although realistically, guy. those guys should be dead. <laughs> I mean, that's also true too. <laughs> They're pretty old. That's fine. 
Anyways, they roll into this barbershop with Eddie Murphy playing two of the four characters. And they're like, yo, we need someone to stay. And they're like, you can stay upstairs. And they basically rent the, the shadiest apartment they can. Yeah. Like, literally, like, a m- person was murdered in this apartment. <laughs> that person and a dog. And a dog, yeah. So, yeah, they decide to stay in this apartment. And, oh, this is where... They, okay, so they rent their apartment. It's real sketchy and terrible. And they go for a walk. And they see what is basically a commercial for Jerry Curls. <laughs> which is called Soul Glow. Soul Glow. And it's basically Jerry Curl, which you don't know what a Jerry Curl was. It just was like, Google it, guys. Just, it yeah, it, it was just a product. It's that, a perm. Was it a perm? Yeah, no, it's, it literally but is a it perm. But it basically made... Like the hair look all like you had to keep it moisturized. Okay, so I'm saying this as a person who was forced into Jerry curls as a oh, child. No, <laughs> yes, I'm so I to, sorry. I had to get one every summer. It was the I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> so like, white people know what perms are, right? A curly perm. It's a curly yeah. perm, a curly perm, but for black people, except that like our hair, like the chemical process that like Afro textured hair has to go through in order to like have it like make it take that curl sure. and stay. Um, totally fucking dries your hair out and so like in order for your hair not to be completely fucked you have to keep it like hyper moisturized yeah so they developed this stuff called life for like jerry curls that like that basically made your hair like wet and greasy all the time time. it was horrible all the time oh my god i i hate and my mother made me get one every summer (laughs) until i was like I don't know, 13. And I think finally I just was like, I will run away from home if you do this to me again. Because I, oh my God, I was teased mercilessly. Clearly I'm traumatized over this. Anyway, but yes, it's called Soul Glow, but it's supposed to be a Jerry Curl. And it's supposed to be very clear that they're making fun of Jerry Curls. Even I, a white person not alive in 1988, (laughs) understood what they were making fun of. Yes. Um, Anyways, they see this. Um... Akeem decides to go cut his royal braid, which is basically a black person rat tail. Yes. Um, that's what you need to take from that. But the Jerry will come back to Soul Glow, which yes. is why that's important. Um, Great theme song. If you haven't heard it, it go is, Google it. it go to YouTube. Good, yeah. Go listen to it right now. Yeah, it is good. Uh, okay. So they're like, let's go find your queen. So they go to a nightclub um, and they just start talking to random girls i will say there is some girl who's just doing a bunch of shots who's talking about how no man can satisfy her needs i was like girl that's a mood mood big mood i was like this girl knows what's up uh and akeem doesn't deserve her but that's fine um pretty much every other girl they run through is like low-key like supposed to be crazy or whatever um there's kind of a shitty joke where like the last girl that they because they go through like probably like eight or ten different women um, or twins, some a lot, a lot two, of twins. Two sets of twins. There's like a weird. beatboxing set of twins, and then just a set of twins who are like who are like have just recently been separated. Been separated, yeah. They were Siamese twins, but both named Teresa. Oddly, yeah, it's weird. Um, and then the last uh girl they talk to is clearly like the joke is that like they're either a like trans woman. Or they're supposed to be like a drag queen. Like it's, it's Arsenio Hall and drag. Yeah, b- basically, yeah. 
uh and you're like oh ha ha like yay trans gay panic like, yeah that's like cool. oh my gosh her voice is so deep that's yeah, terrifying like they definitely yeah. have a dick oh and you're just like oh okay cool cheap it's joke. about what you'd expect from an 80s comedy but it still. is but it's still yeah. disappointing and you're just like uh okay this yeah. is dumb and it's and the thing is like i think that like in 1988 probably a lot of people thought that was funny you watch it now and i can't imagine that it would really go yeah over very and this well. the year of our lord 2019 it's just not funny it's anymore. just not funny yeah uh, so they're just basically like, yo, we couldn't find a single good queen at this bar. And so they go to the barbershop and, um, barber Eddie Murphy is like, <laughs> oh, you got to go find like a nice girl at like church She's or like, go at- to the library or church. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty fucking funny actually. Um, and then he's like, or go to like this black awareness week event <laughs> that's going on down the street. Um, so they're like, yeah, that's where we're going to go. And so they go to this thing that is a cross between like church and a beauty pageant can i just say that it is literally so if you are a black american person raised in the united states this is like every black history month like assembly or ceremony is it at at like a community center or your church that has ever been put on so like it's it's all manner of things <laughs> almost always led by a preacher. Yeah. Like, the, okay. So I was confused because they're like, oh, yeah, it's like being put on the community center. But like the guy leading it is clearly a pastor. Well, like, you know, traditionally, like, you know, black people have not had a lot of political power. So the people who tend to be leaders in the black community tend to be from the pastors. church. Yeah. Right. Um, so, like, that's why in a lot of like community events, you see the people who are talking and the people who are kind of leading these things come from the church. Yeah. Because, like, I've been to black churches. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're a preacher. Like I know what's happening here. Like I I have the like yeah. language. Like this is the thing I have experienced. But I was like, why is like there this preacher like emceeing a beauty pageant and talking about like how hot the girls in the bikinis <laughs> are? I was like, is there something I'm missing? Like I think that was like my struggle this whole thing. I was like, is there like some cultural thing I'm missing here? Or oh, like sure. is this supposed to be a joke? I mean, like you know, I think it's like the kind of like, both, a stereotype, like a lecherous like a lecherous old preacher. That's right. definitely what he was. Yeah. That's for real. But yeah, it's very it's very solidly like in the lane of like, oh, this is like the Black History Month assembly your parents dragged you to every year. I didn't know they even did that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm learning so like I said, I'm not. The only thing missing is they didn't sing Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is the black national anthem. (laughs) That's the only thing missing from this. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, it definitely was like, oh again, like I've been to black churches. I was like, oh yeah, no, I know what's going on here. Like when they passed around the collection plate and all that, I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, when everyone's like, mm, yes, mm, amen. I'm yeah, like, call oh, response, yeah, 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 call and response. I'm like, okay, yeah, I've I've done this before. I, I got that. Um, because I've been I've I've had the privilege of being part of some very like gracious black congregations who are like, yeah, white people will 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 loosen you up. Like we know all you do when you praise Jesus is put your hands up. Like Listen. if you're if you're real if you're real cautious, you just like put them half up with you, the elbows still bent. Like they're like we, we know, but we're going to teach you. We know that you guys don't have as much fun as churches we do. So we're like, hey, we're we, here, you may we have definitely a good time. don't. We definitely don't. I will say that uh, white people church is way less fun than black people church. White people don't know how to do anything, right? They don't know how to cook right, and they don't know how to praise Jesus, right? Like, it's fine. I mean, listen, you said it, I didn't. It's, <laughs> it's real talk. It's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so they're doing this whole rigmarole. Akeem and Semi go in, and they are, like, enjoying it. I do appreciate that Akeem in this role is, like, 
kind of serving the you, you know how like in fantasy novels like Harry Potter like you have to have the person who's like from outside the world where they have to like explain everything to yes uh Akeem is that but with like black American culture <laughs> but he's like the black guy is like it's interesting to me that like as a white viewer like Akeem is the person I'm following to like understand what's going on well he's an outsider too it's a yeah thing. exactly yeah. but I thought that was like a really interesting we talk so much about how like we don't have representation of like people of color in you know in media and how like we have this problem sometimes with like white people not knowing how to see like people of color or people who aren't like them in hero roles. I was like, I like that this movie is kind of in this moment, like forcing any white viewer to be like, Oh, this is the person I have to like understand and empathize with, Mm -hmm. which maybe wasn't like their point, but was, I was like, Oh no, that's interesting. That like, I think it very much is, which is, I think why it's so important to like that, you know, so we talk about like, you know, normalizing movies like this right Right. like where they're not like black movies they're just movies because it's important for like people to let well for white people in particular to be like forced to to empathize with the protagonist and have it be someone who is not like exactly them no totally you know but yeah but i also think that part of the other aspect of that is um and it's interesting because i hadn't thought of this aspect of it which is like the reason why you're able to i think to like pinpoint akeem and go like oh he's an outsider in this world too is because he's african Mm -hmm. and like i taught this is something that i thought about a lot of black panther and i was kind of like oh coming to america did something very similar where it was like this moment in the black diaspora where it's like everyone from the black diaspora gets to come together and we get to just like, just be black people. Yeah. Right. But like, but it's also a moment where like, it makes very clear that there is a difference between black culture and all of the other hundreds of cultures across Africa. Right. right? And like, we're, we're definitely not a monolith. Like black people have very little idea about what it means to be African. Mm -hmm. And until African people come to the United States, vice versa, Yeah, you know, and that doesn't even include like the rest of the people spread across the diaspora and like, you know, South America, Central America, Mm -hmm. the Caribbean and all this other stuff. And so like, so yeah, Simeon and Akeem are very, very much not a part of this community, but they've been plopped in this community, like and they like they're supposed to get it, and they don't. Yeah, it was just really interesting, and for like a, again, like a silly rom com, I was like, this is kind of profound, yeah. and I appreciate it. What uh, kind of the next important takeaway from the scene is one of the organizers is introduced. Uh, her name is Lisa. She is the daughter of this guy who has this new restaurant called McDowell's. And she gets up and says a lot of very good words. And she's basically like, we have to help the children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, Akeem is like, she's pretty. I like her. So she's smart she, and pretty. Yeah. And I, I want her. I want that one. Yes. Which is inherently a problematic trope that I always have problems with. And it's still gross in this movie. <laughs> but it's fine. Is she like a black manic pixie dream girl, would we say? I don't know. I don't uh, feel like she quite fits Talk me into... through that. Why do you think that? Oh, I, I mostly, the reason I'm, this is the thing that only just occurred to me. The main reason I asked is because he does have the moment of, I want that one, which is very much a manic pixie dream girl thing where like okay. the guy sees the girl across the room at a party and is like her. Um, But I don't know if she fits some of the other like so, tropes about like trying to save him and that kind of stuff. So I will say she is like the black culture's equivalent of. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which okay. is... I'm going to see if you can figure this one out. Uh, okay. So I'm going to give you some hints. So the other person who was considered for this role was Vanessa Williams. Okay. 
do you notice anything about how Lisa in relationship to the rest of her family, her dad and her sister? I feel like she is much, oh, oh, she's much lighter skinned than them. Yes. Mm, so interesting and this is another this is another one of those kind of like stock characters that we talked about right so like and it's something that we to this day still see even in black films it's Mm -hmm. kind of an internalized racism it's a colorism issue yeah right and so like the actresses they have who plays lisa's sister patrice is a very dark-skinned actress the man who plays her father john amos like legend of film and screen um very dark-skinned actor lisa is noticeably different in color from them. Yeah, she really is. And that is not an accident. And it's also not an accident the other actress they (laughs) considered for this role was Vanessa Williams. So when I say that, like, it's the black version of that, what I mean is, like, the height of what a black man, if he's not going to, like, find a white woman to be with. Right. He wants to find the closest he can find in a black woman. Mm -hmm. And that's someone who has got, like, a straighter kind of like maybe nicer wavier grade of hair and he's got more European features and certainly is lighter skinned. So I think you picked up on like the sentiment there, but (laughs) it's just a different trope. Yeah. Okay. I, that all tracks anyways. He's like her. I want her. Um, and she's like, come to our new restaurant. And so naturally that's the first place Akeem and Simi go is to this new restaurant to kind of stalk her and get jobs there, which is, Really, like, out of the page of the stalker handbook, but that's fine. Um, it's called McDowell's. <laughs> it is clearly a ripoff of McDonald's. Yes, there's um, a whole scene where... Where he's explaining, where he's how, explaining how they're not McDonald's. McDonald's yeah, and they're... For legal reasons. Yeah, for legal reasons, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's definitely a scene later in the movie where he's literally reading the <laughs> McDonald's employee handbook. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, it's fucking funny. I loved it. <laughs> oh, man, it made me laugh so hard. Um, yeah, so they go get jobs so they can meet this pretty girl, Lisa. There's a really good line. So they're basically just like taking out trash. That's like their job. And he goes into like her office to take her trash out. There's this great line. It says, when you think of garbage, think (laughs) of a (laughs) keep. Which is just so funny to For me. being like an, you have to think about it. Like Akeem is an African prince, right? He's probably like, the, he's the most eligible bachelor in his country. So he's never really had to like develop his game. <laughs> you know? And when he finally decides he wants to hit on Lisa, he's just got negative no game. game. It's just all, all not, it's none oh, of it's there. No. It's yeah. so funny. <laughs> okay, so then um, her boyfriend shows up. His name is Daryl. Played um, by a young Eric LaSalle. Yeah. If you're a um, fan of ER. And as it turns out, his father is the <laughs> inventor of Soul Glow. Yeah. And he's just rocking the most righteous Jerry Curl of them all. It's like a shag met a mullet met a Jerry Curl. It's It sure is something. It's very, 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 very 80s. It's so wet. It's, it's so just, wet. Um, yeah. Again, as someone who was forced into that hairstyle, and I do mean forced. Oh God, it's just, it's miserable. It's a miserable existence. Never do this to your children. I don't care if it comes back. Don't do this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. So, uh, and basically he's set up as like the romantic rival and he's like rich and he's good looking and she's already dating him. And Akeem is like, oh, but, and so, um, he goes to back to the barbershop and he's like, give me a Jerry curl. (laughs) And the barber's like, what the fuck? And he's like, give it to me i want to impress this girl and the guy she's already with has this hairstyle he's like no 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 no. if you want to get with the girls you've got to get in with the dad and then that's that's how you get them 
And so he's like, oh, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and he's try like, and charm her dad. <laughs> yeah, which, like, guys, that's not how you get the girl. That's it's just not. gross and paternalistic. And um, pretty much any woman will launch you into the sun if you do that. It's a very kind of, like, old school, yeah, patriarchal view of... It is. And, again, in the year of our Lord, 2019, most women are not into <laughs> that anymore. Yeah. Not in your last year into, like, some transformed wife bullshit yeah no it's so. a it's a little weird i mean like listen i understand like that for some people like your family your family's approval is a, an important thing it's certainly you know and it's something yeah. that's important for me as well but like i would listen never in a million years would i have let my dad pick who i dated well also it's like if you want to get with me don't court my father no, court don't me do that. yeah talk Thank to you. me talk to me yeah don't talk to him akeem is like so like poor little lost little baby sheep he doesn't get it yeah he fine. just he has no idea as I think, it's like you almost can't fault him because he just has no idea. He doesn't know. He doesn't know any better. He never had to learn. He yeah. literally had someone to wash his dick for him. Yeah. Like, why would he know how to flirt with girls? Yeah. So he's like, am I supposed to have money? Do I just throw money at her? Well, exactly. That's what he to... does is he buys her some really fucking expensive $500,000 pair of yeah. diamond and ruby earrings. And he just sends her to her. He's like, ah, yes. Now this is how I charm her. We Googled it. That's the equivalent of almost $1.1 million today. I would believe it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Lisa receives these earrings, but I guess he doesn't put a note in there like who it's from. He just says it's a secret admirer, not right. Daryl. Yeah, not Daryl. But then um, Lisa's sister, Patrice, is like, yo, those are definitely from Daryl. You should sleep with him because he just gave you some really nice earrings because I guess Lisa hasn't slept with Daryl yet. No, no, no. She doesn't think it's from Daryl. She, she accuses oh. Lisa of sleeping around on Daryl. Oh, okay. Okay. I missed yeah. that. Um, again, I got to start watching this with subtitles. <laughs> no, she's like, you're giving it up to somebody else because people don't just give you earrings like this for not fucking them. And she's assuming, like, since the note says not Daryl, that Lisa's cheating on Daryl. Got it. Yeah, then we find out Akeem actually sent the earrings. Daryl has gotten tickets to a basketball game. He's like, I got four tickets. Like, invite your sister and she can bring a date. And so Patrice invites Akeem uh, to this basketball game. Um, Daryl's a fucking tool the whole time. Uh, He's the worst. And then um, Akeem at one point is like, I'm going to go use the bathroom. And happens to run into a couple of the guys who, like, work in the arena who are also from zamunda yeah and they're like oh my god it's you and are just like on their knees and like we want to take our picture with you they're just like this is the best day of my life i met my prince and daryl and lisa kind of show up like at the tail end of this they're like uh what's, what's going, going on? on here and and akeem doesn't want to tell them he doesn't want to blow his cover i guess and he's like Oh, we met in the bathroom, like whatever. It's fine. <laughs> he's just, uh, yeah, we met in the bathroom. Just when super he, friendly, he off, which is like, I know that's supposed to be like a, like a, a sly kind of like gay joke, like, oh no, he, we met in the bathroom and he just really. <laughs> I kind of wonder that too because it was the '80s when I feel like yeah. that was how gay hookups ha- happened, but I don't know. I will say I want to point out two things about this scene. One, which is that Daryl is a like Daryl basically like treats Akeem and the fact that he's from Africa the way that white people treat black people in a racist way which kind of, so that there's this writer his name is damon young and he writes this for this really wonderful website called very smart brothers and he has this whole article about how 
straight black men are the white people of black people. I mean, like, uh, and he's yeah. not wrong, and it's pretty great. And you know, he's a straight black man himself, so he really just kind of digs in. Um, and I feel like that, like Daryl in the scene, just really like just yeah. really epitomizes that. Totally. Uh, the other part of it is that like, so it's clear that Patrice really is into Akeem, and so she essentially starts like she puts like a, a, a his jacket over both of their laps, and she starts to like molest him she starts like groping him clearly like groping at his groin during this he's very clearly uncomfortable and like again it's supposed to be played for comedy but i feel like we are it is incumbent upon us to say that that is problematic a problem you know even in even today when like consent is such a hot button topic i feel like a lot of times like women doing that to men is still played for laughs sure yeah um when it's like no like ladies if you're with a male partner you need to get consent from them too the other part of that that's problematic too is and so this is kind of the other side of like you mentioned that lisa kind of like to you like you know tracked as a manic pixie dream girl um the other side of that is uh patrice right so like there's the kind of this is like another very traditional kind of like trope or stereotype of black women as being the jezebel right yeah so like and it's almost always especially in media portrayed as darker skinned black women being hypersexualized yeah being like aggressive like really sexually aggressive um and usually not always but usually like the other side of that is that they just are not desired yeah by whoever it is that they're pursuing yeah and so this all i mean this plays out a lot with the character of patrice in this movie but mm-hmm. this is where we first kind of start to see the sign she's coming on strong akeem is not about it no but he no. wasn't about it before she started like you know coming on strong he just wasn't he was there for lisa yeah totally. yeah it's i think it's important to point out that like this plays into a colorism and also a stock like black stereotype thing yeah i think you're absolutely right about that so they go back to the restaurant and Daryl is basically trying to pressure Lisa to quit. He's like, why do you work here? I have so much money. I can take care of you. And she's like, oh, I like working here. Which you get the sense she actually does. Like she enjoys yeah. having a career and a job. And she like does the books, woman. I think. She's like, yeah, hey, like she she seems to help out with like the bookkeeping and like is being a businesswoman and seems like she's learning a trade. And, you know, like it's it's very good in that way. But so Daryl is kind of being shitty. He's like, oh, you should just quit. Uh, and then um, Lisa and Akeem kind of start their flirtation in this scene as well, I guess. Um, and then there is an armed robbery right in the middle of their flirtation. Samuel L. Jackson yeah. busts in the door. I was like, is that Samuel L. Jackson? And then he said, motherfucker. And you were like, that's like, yes. definitely Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> basically. That's basically how that went. Yeah. Um, so naturally, um, he comes in. He's holding the place up. He's trying to get all the money. And naturally... Akeem and Simi uh, save the day with their, like, mop handle fighting skills. Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, they 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 save the restaurant, and it's a whole big deal. Um, Daryl is, like, cowering in the corner, so it's supposed to be, like, another knock on Daryl's, and he's not brave enough to stand up and protect Lisa and the rest of the restaurant. So, uh, so that happens, and Akeem is talking to Lisa's father who owns McDowell's and he's like, oh yeah, that guy's like robbed us five times already. But after this, I don't think he'll be coming back because quote, he, thanks to my African connection. And I was like, I roll. Yeah. I was like, cool, 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 cool. (laughs) It's such like, it's problematic, but it's also just like the height of dad joke. He's like, eh, eh, get it. It is. Yeah. Because you guys are from Africa. Eh." It's totally played (laughs) as a dad joke, but it's still just like made me just like want to bang my head 
head against a wall. I was just like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'd want to punch a white dude in the face if he said that. No, and that's the thing is I was like, I, again, I feel like a lot of this is through my like lens as a white person, but I'm just like, oh, cringe. Like, you can't say that. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you can't say that even if you're a black person. No, it's still problematic if you're a black person. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't so much get a pass yeah. on that one, no. So his thanks to Akeem and Simi for doing this is like, come work at my party at my house. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I should really reward you guys. Come be my valet and my bartender at this <laughs> private party I'm having Which at my house. Is cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, this is where we get a little bit of backstory that like um, Lisa's mother died. Mister McDowell was basically like in poverty and like worked his way up, like very much like the American dream. He's like, yeah. no, look, I have this big house. I make so much money. I own all these restaurants. Like I am like a wealthy man, and I worked really hard and. You know, this is a little bit of backstory where we like kind of find out like why he's so like gung ho about like Lisa marrying into money. Like he doesn't want her to struggle, which does not excuse some of the shit he's about to do. But like you get a little backstory about like why, what his motivation is, which is it feels like it all comes from like a very like um, paternalistic, but also like a like a like a dad a loving dad place you know and i and i think there's also like the other aspect too of like you know just like uh that's a pretty atypical story for black people even today but particularly totally. in the 80s right like that yeah. you've achieved that kind of like level of wealth and so you don't want your kids to backslide in poverty mm-hmm. um totally. so yeah you get it but it's not okay no it's totally not so they're at this party and all this stuff is is happening um Akeem and Daryl talk to each other at the bar. Please remind me what is said to each other there. So, like, he's like, hey, yeah. Daryl's like, hey, Akeem, I saw you today at the store, and that was cool. And he's like, um, I would have helped you, but, you know, my hands were full with coffee because, like, Lisa said to go get coffee. And you're like, yeah, you're you're a little bitch, but that's fine. But it's fine. <laughs> um, and then he was like – and then he started talking to Akeem about how, like, you know – you know, like basically like, hey, how did you learn all that like fancy martial arts stuff? And like, you know, and he was like, well, I had to be really aggressive growing up where I grew up. And Daryl's like, yeah, I'm totally with that. He was like, also, I feel like, you know, you have to be aggressive with women, right? Like you have to tell them what to do and you have to like, yeah. you know, like women like that when you like just know what you want and you go for it. And particularly in regards to them and Akeem's kind of like, the fuck, my dude? Like that's... <laughs> Like that doesn't track really at all. At all, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want women like a man who takes charge. And it's like, yeah, oh. and it keeps like, mm, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, cool. From here, uh, Lisa's dad and Daryl stand up, and they're like, this is also a surprise engagement party because Lisa and Daryl are engaged, and this is clearly the first Lisa is hearing yes. about this. This is definitely news to Lisa. <laughs> like she is pissed as she should be my note was like who fucking does that who who does that though also like what was the conversation between daryl and dad was it like uh i'm gonna marry your daughter did daryl just lie to dad did they like concoct this like what happened i think it's very much like one of those like you know like Daryl's like, I've been dating your daughter, and it's clear that, like, dad likes him, and so Daryl's kind of like, well, you know, I again, it's like a take charge kind of moment. Yeah. I like it when you make these decisions, and you go forth, and you're bold. Because, like, even when, like, Lisa confronts him about this afterwards, he's like, baby, it's our engagement party. And she's like, yeah. are you fucking high? Yeah, she's, yeah. Well, she even, so she goes and talks to Akeem kind of after she confronts Daryl about it, and she's like, do you think I overreacted? I'm like, girl, no, no. you did not. Everyone's so young I would movie. have, like, fucking 
pummeled this guy into the sun. Like, well, so the thing is, he, like, she gets it at first. She's like, I'm not going to let anybody pressure me into marriage, not my dad or not Daryl or anybody else. And you're like, fuck yeah, Lisa. And then she's like, do you think I was too mean about it? And you're like, what? You're like, no, girl, you should have been meaner. Yeah, you should have fucking <laughs> definitely need Daryl in the nuts. Like, your dad, at least your dad didn't know. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but still. Um, but at least in the midst of all this, Akeem and Lisa have a very nice chat and you get to, like, see them growing a little closer to each other and it's a it's a whole thing so lisa's like done with daryl she's like fuck this as she should be i listen i will appreciate this about about that about this movie is that like there's no like him and han she's like fuck daryl we're this we're we're done yeah she's not here for it (laughs) um she's not here about it uh i did feel kind of gross about the fact that like like lisa spends a lot of time confiding in akeem after this about kind of the fallout from stuff with her and Daryl. And it always feels to me like he's like, I'm doing this emotional labor for her because it is a way for her to get me. It was a way for me to get her to like me. Yeah. Right. Like it never felt like he was like, this is a person I care about. And I want to do this emotional labor for her and support her through this really hard thing. It always felt like the nice guy. Like if I help this pretty girl through the breakup, maybe she'll like me too. Really? Maybe it's, I just, cause I've been like watching this movie for 30 years. I just, I don't get that. That is what it felt like to me. Maybe that's just because I'm exhausted by nice guys and I see them <laughs> everywhere as a result. Um, but okay. I got like a little at least whisper of that. I was like, I hope that's not why he's like, I'm hoping I hope he's trying to support her because he genuinely cares about her. But it always kind of felt like he was like, if I do this, like she will like me. Yeah, no. OK, I could definitely feel like the like it does. It definitely feels like he's biding his time, I will say. But I feel like, I don't know, I think the the flip side of that is like, at least, and even watching it now, it feels to me like their interactions are, he genuinely is interested in what she has to say and he like likes her. That's fair. Yeah. Like I said, I could just be jaded and exhausted by nice guys. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not that's out fair. of the realm of possibility. That is fair. Because men are exhausting and that's fine. Okay, so uh, Akeem kind of like, as he's helping her through this like kind of breakup, I suppose. Uh, he invites her over. He's like, come see my very poor apartment because I am very poor. He's very intent on looking like an average poor American um, through all this. And he can't. Well, she's like, I want to thank you. And so she's like, let me make you dinner. And he's like, no, I'll make you dinner. Yeah. So he's like, come over to my apartment. And he can't let her in because Simi decided to buy a bunch of like random (laughs) bullshit for their apartment, like a hot tub. Um, So they go out to eat instead and they have like a really lovely evening there is a scene where he gives like a shit ton of money to a couple homeless guys and this is another thing that bothered me in that it felt like he was giving the money to them to impress her not because it was a thing that he wanted to do because it was good for these two homeless men it was just like oh here i have a shit ton of cash let me give it to these homeless guys to impress this pretty girl so the only part of this that you're missing is that this is a a very specific callback to a movie that he was in. Oh, is it? It's, have you ever heard of the movie Trading Places? I've heard of the movie. I've probably, I think I've seen it, but it's been a long time. So it's another John Landis film, I okay. believe. Eddie Murphy. It's like 1984. No, 1982. It's Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Okay. And Eddie Murphy is like this homeless guy. And Dan Aykroyd is this like investment banker. He like works like, he's like a you know, works uh, on wall street mm-hmm. and he works at this firm that's owned by these two older brothers, Randolph and Mortimer. 
anyway, long story short, oh, they that make joke a, makes so much more sense now. They make a deal and they bet a dollar that like that it's sort it's 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 um it's not it's like basically a nature versus nurture bet. So yeah, they're like, yeah. we can take this like this poor homeless Negro off the streets and make him into a success, and we can take this well-bred young white man and make him into a homeless person just by fucking with them. And in the long story short, end of the movie, they end up completely bankrupt. Okay. And so that's the joke there. That's the jo- okay. Okay, that makes more sense. I was still bothered by the like performative yes. allyship. I was yeah. like, give the people money because that's the right thing to do, not because you want to impress someone. But uh, they're the, okay. That deeper level definitely like <laughs> softens the blow. A little I can bit. see like if you have no context there, how it how it absolutely would come off that way. Yeah, I was like, but I that's mean, what the joke is. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I was kind of like, I guess at the end of the day, you change these homeless guys' lives either way, but like. It's kind of gross to me that you did it just to impress a girl. But okay, yes. the 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 deeper joke does make it very funny, actually, uh, and does change my opinion a bit. You should well, actually. We should do trading places on the on the show. It is a very funny, deeply problematic okay. movie. Uh, we'll add it to the Google Doc. Someone who's listening, put it on the Google Doc for us. Um, okay, great. But so he does this. They fall in love. They dance in a restaurant. They kiss. Like they're in love with each other. Um, That's a very sweet moment. It is a very sweet moment it, it's very nice uh in the meantime simmy has gone to like a western union style place and he's <laughs> trying to get more money wired to them from zamunda from the king uh patrice shows up at the apartment looking for akeem and simmy basically lies to her is like she i am the prince she, she does break in that's true like what the fuck patrice um but basically uh simmy Akeem's not home, so Simi is like, I am the Prince of Zabunda. <laughs> Let me have sex with you. And um, basically, they're like in the midst of uh, making out when Akeem comes in. And she's like, he's a prince and you're his manservant. And Akeem is like, all right. <laughs> yeah, there's this so. moment where she's like, bye, sweet prince. And she like blows a kiss at, at Semi, and she's like, bye to Akeem. Yeah. It's just very shitty. But again, like, I don't know. I just, I'm so frustrated with the portrayal of Patrice. Like, even it the more I watch it, the more I'm just like, oh, this is such bullshit. Like, dark skinned girls, girls deserve better. Fuck truly. this noise. No, truly. Also, we get a little scene in here about how dad really wants Lisa to marry Daryl because he's rich and that's he doesn't want her to struggle financially. And that's like super important to him. I do think it's worth mentioning that we need to point out that like so like it's clear that like Lisa and Akeem are kind of like clearly they like each other because they just kissed and like they're courting. At, which is like feels like such a stupid and old term, but I'm also like country and from Texas, so it's no. Fine. I like courting. I I use it unironically, <laughs> um, <laughs> like with some frequency. It's fine. But like, this is the same issue that we had with you've got mail, which is that like, basically he spent this whole time, and now that they're in a relationship, it's even worse. He is lying to her face on a daily basis. Yeah, totally. Um and. Don't start a relationship that way, guys. Like, I understand that he was like, I want a woman who loves me for me and not for my status and my money. But also, like, if you like her and respect her enough to want to date her, maybe let her make that decision. Right. Right. Like, let her make the choice. But, like, you just straight up being like, I'm going to literally lie to you about, like, everything about my identity other than my name and where I'm from. Yeah. Is a fucking problem. It's a, yeah, absolutely. And we're just supposed to trust that, like, it's for the greater good because we know Akeem is a good guy. Yeah. But that's But she bullshit. doesn't know that. She doesn't know that. And in the real world, that doesn't fucking matter. It's exactly. bullshit. 
So, uh, oh, Akeem really wants his apartment to look poor, so he trades with their landlord. <laughs> Meanwhile, mom and dad show up, and dad is, he shows up, they go to the apartment, um, they're fucking pissed at Simi, and I laugh because he's like, go seclude yourself in the Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> Bathe him thoroughly, and Simi's yeah. like, oh, fucking thank God. Yeah, because they've made multiple jokes about how, like, you have sex with your bathers yeah. and that kind of stuff, so he's like, yes, this is your punishment. Is that a problematic thing, too? Do we need to dig into that? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I think the idea that you have servants who, like, kind of compulsory have to have sex like the the understanding is that they are servants who if a male member of the nobility wants to have sex with them they have to say yes i think right. that's problematic yeah, yeah. like it's probably early in the movie where like well especially like when a james or john's like oh i just assumed that you understood you love bathers, i thought yeah. you were fucking your bathers and like and it keeps like well duh yeah obviously yeah. but like, that's not what i'm talking yeah, about is like i do it all the time yeah and like you know you're right because like they're definitely not in a position where they could really so, yeah, like say, I say no. no that's the thing i mean that's the thing that like comes up so often like i mean you think about even like with like the Monica Lewinsky scandal like a lot of people are like well she consented it's like well but like when the person has so much power like can you really give consent and in theory in, although there the argument could be made that she pursued him but that's fine yeah and I mean and like and, and like that's just like one example but I think the instance of like these women who are like like yes. literally servants like it's their livelihood they, and if yeah. they say no they're i mean like at best their livelihood is fucked and at worst their they're life yeah, is exactly. fucked. so yeah. yeah i i would say that that's a, a problematic trope <laughs> i feel sure. like we, we have to at least address it yeah yes so they send Simi away um akeem has in the meantime taken this is uh, this is kind of gross to me okay so he's taken lisa to like a museum where they have an exhibit about Zamunda. Yeah. And it's very clearly him trying to be like, look at how great Zamunda is. Isn't it awesome? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, see, to me, it totally felt like an underhanded, like, look at how great it is, wouldn't you? Like, like it felt like it went to me. To me, it almost felt like he was grooming her to be like, look oh. at how great Zamunda is. And so it's so that like when like... he like turns is like, I'm the prince of Zamunda, want to come be my princess. She'd be like, yeah, Zamunda seems great. I see. Okay. I think this is interesting because you're viewing this with like completely new eyes. To me, it seemed entirely like a surprise that, that the exhibits there because he freaks out and that's why he makes her leave is because she'll see that he's the prince. Well, he, cause he sees the, the picture. Yeah. But like he didn't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, it could be like, listen, I'm watching this movie since literally I was five years old. So I, I appreciate your fresh new eyes and perspective. On to this. me, it felt like it was him being like trying to. It felt like he was trying to do the thing of like, let me sway you to my side before like I make this big reveal. Isn't the moon to wonderful? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay, That's okay. how it felt to me. And maybe I missed something. No, no, this no. Point. I think I'm just so jaded by men <laughs> that I'm always willing to assume the worst at this point. No, that's okay. This is something I had never considered, but I, I'm starting to see your point. Because it feels to me like he's just surprised when he sees the photo of himself, but like yes. he's showing her like the masks and some of the other artifacts. Okay. He's like, yes, isn't this beautiful? Oh, Zamunda. And she's like, oh, that's where you're from. He's like, why? Yes, it is. I but like when he sees the photo, that's when he throws her up against the wall and kisses her because like, fuck, she can't know I'm the prince. I just always assumed that that was an accident that they stumbled on that. But this is, this is a totally new perspective. And I, I'm starting starting to see it your way like he <laughs> deliberately took her there to like be like isn't zamunda cool yeah and maybe oh, i missed fuck. something maybe there's like a line that suggests no that, like, i don't think there is but i was just like oh this feels gross to me and i'm uncomfortable oh, shit no i never considered that before this is interesting okay okay good. 
I, I appreciate that even though I've never seen any of these movies, at least I always bring a fresh perspective, <laughs> a fresh, very jaded perspective. Well, I mean, like it, it's nice. I've seen this movie several hundred times <laughs> yeah. and you've seen it once. And so it's nice to like have different eyes on it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, meanwhile, the king has found out that uh, Akeem is working at McDowell's. So he goes to McDowell's to track down Akeem. Uh, Mr. McDowell is all of a sudden has found out that Akeem is a prince is like, whoa, my daughter should marry the prince of an African country rather than Jerry Curl guy. Hey, Akeem's not so bad after all. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he changes his tune. This is like after he's had a whole thing about like, uh, like Akeem is below you and you shouldn't date him, Lisa. And she's like, uh, but like, I like him and he's nice and fuck Daryl. The other really shitty part about this is that Earlier in the day, he has called Daryl and been like, hey, Lisa's just overreacting. Yeah. Just come by the house later on, and I'm sure we can, we can both, if we fucking, like, tag team this, we can convince her. We can get her, you guys back together, yeah. Which I was like, I, I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which I would have been more livid. Yeah, I know, totally. If I were in Lisa's position. Yeah, so all of a sudden, though, Dad's like, oh, no, like, let's go with Akeem. And so yeah. he invites uh, the king and queen of Zamunda to his home. He literally is like, Akeem makes Daryl look like a welfare case, which is problematic yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, that's also true. But yeah, so like, yeah, the king's like, hey, if you see my son, let me know. And and uh, Mr. Rattel is like, actually, I have seen your son. He just showed up to my house with my daughter. You should come over here. Like, it's it's all very much on the low. Akeem yeah. does not know that his family is in town. No, he hasn't, he hasn't been home yet, so he has no idea. So mom and dad go to the McDowell's. At some point in all of this, Akeem and Lisa kind of get back to Akeem's apartment and uh, Akeem sees all the flower petals that the like royal flower petal throwers are like throwing at the feet of the royalty throughout this whole film. And he's like, oh no, my parents are here. (laughs) We got the fuck out of here. Yeah. And so he's like, fuck, we got to go. So basically they, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to take Lisa home. And, you know, shenanigans ensue. He gets to, they get to Lisa's home and his parents are there. There's a whole farce that happens. It's, yeah, it's a whole. Daryl shows up and they kick Daryl out and they sick the dog on Daryl. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, base, the, the kind of important takeaway here is that eventually Lisa goes to talk to Akeem's father and his dad is straight up like, oh, Akeem's not interested in you at all. He's already he well first of all he's like oh he's married and she's like oh he's married he's like okay well he's not actually married but he but basically like, is he's betrothed like that he's gonna get married as soon as he gets back to zamunda um and so like there's no way he'd be he's all like, you're you. you're really just a booty call yeah he, he's, he's very cruel actually he's kind of the worst i mean he's uh, the impl- again the implication is he's an african dictator yeah. and he handles the situation with all the tact you think I, an african dictator yes. might yeah <laughs> um it's great um so basically they're like um so he comes in and he's like oh yeah i told her she's just a booty call and we're taking our son home goodbye and dad gets really pissed because uh, because the king is like, uh, he made her cry. yeah, well, he made her cry. He's also like, oh, she's beneath my son. And Mr. McDowell was like, hold on. Fuck you. And uh, the king's like, OK, fine. I'll write I'll write you a check for your like pain and suffering. How's <laughs> a million dollars? Two million. No. And like to to Mr. McDowell's credit, he keeps being like, no, like that's not good enough because you may you hurt my daughter and I have a problem with this. I was like, wow. You have a spine now. That's he literally great. tells him that he's going to break his foot off in his royal ass. He does, which I appreciate <laughs> which, a lot. God bless. Just listen. God bless National Treasure, John Amos. Naturally. I just, 
Uh, thank God that the queen of Zamunda is a reasonable fucking person. Cause she's like, yo, Akeem, your dad said some bullshit to this girl. You like go get her because he's being an asshole is basically the subtext of what she tells him. I just had a thought. What? What if, what if instead of Matthew Broderick, Eddie Murphy had been the voice of adult Simba? That would have just really tied this whole thing together. He really would have. <sighs> Man. Eddie Murphy was not involved in the Lion King at all. Was he, he was not. But li- I mean, like King, Queen, yeah, you know, both in this movie and in Africa, their son, the prince, it should have been Eddie Murphy. Should have been. <laughs> it should have been Eddie Murphy. Who played Nala? Adult Nala. Yeah, I remember Mandy from The West Wing. Yeah, she was adult Nala. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I can't think of her name. I wish I could. It's on top of my tongue, but I can't think of it. Okay. Moira Kelly is her name. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It would have all been full circle. It should have been it? Sherry Headley and Eddie Murphy. It should, it should have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you're welcome, Disney. We just recast it for you. Um. Basically, Akeem and Lisa go on a relentless pursuit through the New York City subway, which I was like, oh, boy, I forgot about 1988 New York City subway that's covered Ooh, in graffiti. Rough. Yeah, they've cleaned it up a lot since then, yeah. but, like, I remember even Listen, as a kid. It ain't great now, but. It's not great, but, like, at least there's, like, graffiti fucking everywhere. everywhere. I remember, like, even as a kid in the 90s, like, it was a little rough, but I was like, oh, boy, I forgot about yeah. this. Jeez. Jeezy crazy. Um, so, yeah. So, he basically pursues her through the subway a bunch and kind of tries to explain himself and kind of culminates with him asking her to marry him, and she's like. No, absolutely not. You like? He's like, I'll renounce my throne, and she's like, I don't care. I can't do this. Yeah, and she's like, peace. Which I kind of don't blame her, but that's fine. Um, so basically, Akeem and company are all like, okay, well, we're leaving New York, and they go back to Zamunda. Um, and uh, we kind of flash forward to the day of his wedding, and this woman starts walking down the aisle in like the biggest cupcake pink dress i've ever seen in my life jesus yeah. christ um and she gets down to him and like lifts up her veil and surprise it's lisa and not imani yeah um, still i feel imani came out the worst in this deal she really did like what what did she do now yeah does she hope there's another print somewhere and, she like her dad's probably pissed like mega pissed right yeah and also they probably just like ruined relationships with this other important allyship they have in Africa. Like that's probably not going to be good for like geopolitical <laughs> happenings in that part of the world. Listen, everyone else is fucked, but Akeem and Lisa are happy. <laughs> They're happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So they get married and we're supposed to, I guess, assume everything is cool even though they've maybe disrupted an entire like section of africa i mean it's fine. it's it's a literal fairy tale ending yeah it is it is and that's fine um and that's kind of where the movie ends yeah um, exactly i do have questions about like lisa just giving up her entire life to move to africa that seems <laughs> boy i can't imagine doing that for a guy who i've known for a month and a half also like they've known each other for like at like tops 39 days yeah right because like they send a team to america for 40 days the king and queen show up early, early yeah like he hasn't Sydney even been there for, for money days. so like they've known each other for i don't know six weeks yeah if that i can't imagine giving up everything moving halfway across the country and marrying into royalty surprise for someone i've known for that short amount of time yeah i mean i guess you know it's a movie it's a cute little rom-com. I do like it, but still. 
I'm so cynical about rom-coms. Really? Like I said, I always assume the dude's out <laughs> to do the worst. I grew up watching too many rom-coms, guys. I'm really cynical about them. It's fine. It's fair that you had had those assumptions about Akeem just because, well, you know, he's the only son of an African dictator king. <laughs> that's, that's also true. <laughs> that is also true. So, um, you know. Yeah, can't say. I'd, I'm I'd... wondering about coming to America too. If they're still together, yeah. Although, I mean, Sherry Headley said that she's going to be in the movie. Eddie Murphy's going to be in it. So is James Earl Jones and wow. I think Arsenio Hall. Madge Sinclair unfortunately died, so she can't be in it. Yeah. Um, who else is dead? Someone else is dead that I can't think of. Anyway, um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, won't we? Okay. Uh, did we miss anything? I think we got it all. Oh, yeah, I think we did too. All right, verdicts. I think I went last. I went first last time, so you get to do this one. Okay. Um. So for me, um. So like, listen. Generally, I don't believe in like the idea of taking someone's black card, but I'm almost certain that if such a thing could happen to me, it <laughs> would happen to me if I came down thumbs down. That's fair. On coming to America. Um. That said, I don't have to worry about that because I just I unabashedly love this movie. Yeah, totally. It's just it's fun and it's funny and it's problematic and it's also hilarious and it's classic. And I actually think that given the time that it was like made, it could have been a hell of a lot more misogynistic. And mm-hmm. actually Akeem comes across as relatively like um as relatively like egalitarian and like yeah. dare I even say like feminist in his views uh when it comes to like what he would like in a wife and like what a woman, you know, like the kind of woman that he's looking for. Totally. Um, which is honestly I expected it to be more problematic in that regard than it was. Um, so, um, you know, like I said, it's got its issues, but like, I just, yeah, I unreservedly love this film. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, it gets a thumbs up too. Um, I think it's about as problematic as a movie from 1988, as you can expect. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that anything else I would pull out of what came out that year is going to be any better or worse than this one, uh, which is not necessarily a great benchmark to use, but that's fine. Um, but I mean, like, I think it is really, I think it's, I think it's generally like a really funny and charming movie. Um, I think it's got a lot of good stuff going for it. Um, you and I kind of talked about before we recorded about how it was interesting to me about how, like, this definitely feels like a black film, but it feels like a black film that like permeated outside of the black community. Like, I remember my dad talking about this movie when I was growing up and like, my family's pretty fucking white. So, you know, like. I think there's value in that, right? Like just especially in the eighties when it like things were still very like lily white. Like, yeah, like let's get some representation up in this bitch and <laughs> have some like protagonists that aren't just like white dudes, right? Like I think that's valuable. Um and yeah, it's fun and charming and um, you know, it made me laugh. So and um yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> okay. Thumbs up from me. Uh, and I think that's it. This concludes, um, Elizabeth being uncomfortable with her whiteness, at least for this episode. It really shouldn't. That's true. I should always be uncomfortable with my whiteness, which to be fair, I am most I mean, like, to be fair, this was a pretty, this is like a softball. This was, this absolutely was. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. I should, I should sit in that uncomfortableness a little bit more. Um, that will be my project for the next 28 days. No, the next eight days. Today's the 20th. Today's the 21st. 
Next seven days. Next week. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. And it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, hey, if you liked this, <laughs> um, you can give us money on Patreon. Um, if you want to toss us a few bucks because you think we're doing a good job, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash your fave is problematic and join at whatever level feels uh, appropriate to you. If you join at the $5 level, you can hear us drag Ronald Reagan. We sure do, guys. We can read I say film. so many things about just like Ronald Reagan's dick and stuff. It's, I it's have weird. not re-listened to this episode yet, but... <sighs> we were drunk when we recorded it, and then like I edited it a week later. I was like, why are these things coming out of my mouth? <laughs> and the thing is, like in the moment, I was clearly aware of it, because I would say things and be like, I'm really sorry that came out of my mouth. And then I just would keep talking. It's fine. Um... Anyways, this is these are things I think about. Like, was Ronald Reagan's dick that good? I don't Did know. we talk about that? We I I I asked that question, but then we mostly asked, is this Republican politician oh, super that kinky I, or super that vanilla? I that I do recall. Well, yeah. listen, uh, you guys are more than welcome to skip past those parts, but there are some good we no, do make we also make cogent points about Ronald we Reagan. We do also make some good points about him, that's true. Um, so if that hasn't enticed you to donate money to us, I don't know what will. Exactly. Um if you want to um get in contact with us, you can tweet at us. We're at podcast yfip, or you can email at us at problematicfavepodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also join our Facebook group uh, or like us on Facebook. Just search for your favorite problematic podcast and you should be able to find both of those things pretty quickly. Um, I think those are all the things, right? Sierra and the Radicals? Oh, yeah. Thank you to Sierra and the Radicals for our theme song. It's called I'm Doing Just Fine and it's off of the album Somewhere Between Here and There. They're awesome. Go buy their album off of iTunes. Yes. Uh, and then that's actually all of it. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, remember everyone, your fave is problematic. But you don't have to be. Stay woke. On that note, those kids. <laughs>